Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Great to have you all here today. Great to be able to have a baptism service. Uh, We're really excited about all the folks getting baptised. In a moment, you're going to hear their unique stories of what it is for them to follow Jesus, how Jesus encountered their lives and their particular circumstances, and why they've decided to get wet publicly today. Because it is a strange thing, isn't it, when you think about it. I'm going to try and help you understand why the water's here and why people choose to get... Well, I've forgotten my point to thank you. Why people choose to get wet Over the past few weeks, we've been doing a series called uh, Clean Me. This has been our Sunday morning series. And we've looked at this whole idea that when we follow Jesus, he comes and kind of cleans up our lives. He he cleans us on the inside. He makes us different people. He transforms us. And then how we go forward to live a life constantly in relationship with him and him constantly working to kind of keep us clean. And this baptism service is the great probably the best way we've got to conclude this series because this is a a symbol. It's a symbol outwardly of what's happened inside, what's happened inwardly. The water symbolises a a transformation that's taken place on the inside of people's lives. And that's essentially what baptism is all about. It's a symbolic uh, public demonstration of cleansing and of new life. And we'll unpack that a little bit more today. When people go into the water and they go under the water just for a short time, I promise you, and they come out again. Actually, I had a friend, I'll tell this story. I had a friend who um, he, he fostered many different, uh, as a couple, they fostered many different children. And some of these children were really quite tricky. And they had this particularly really difficult boy they were fostering for about six months. And this boy decided to follow Jesus and decided that he wanted to get baptised, but he was still making uh, the couple's life really difficult. And when he asked the, the couple to baptise him, and when they baptised him, the guy held him under the water just a bit longer than maybe normal. <laughs> and this, this lad's eyes opened in panic under the water and the guys looked down and smiled at him and then pulled him back up again. <laughs> we won't be doing any of that today, promise, OK? I don't think any of you have got anything you know, outstanding that I can work with, so we won't be holding you down. But that going under the water and coming back out of the water, it symbolises kind of a before and after in the life of a person. And Jesus talked about this kind of, um, this new life, this being born again symbolism that happens when we choose to follow him. When Jesus walked the earth, he called us to repentance. And repentance seems like quite a churchy word. Repent, repentance. But really, in Jesus' original language, it just means to to think again, to, to change your mind, to change your direction. We used a diagram a few weeks ago to kind of help us think about this. We talked about God's story and we talked about alternative stories that we might be living. So the Bible tells us about the story of God, God's desire to reconcile all things back to his love and this idea that God will put ultimately everything right. He will put everything right that's wrong in the world. He will restore all things and there'll be a day when we live with him in eternity where all the things that we think are wrong with the world will be put right. And that's the story of God that we find in the scriptures. But you and I, we live our alternative story. We live our own story. Our own story, our preferred story, our, our preferred destinations, our preferred goals. And there's a difference between God's story often and the story that we're living ourselves. We can think of God's story as God's best for us. But sometimes we think that we know better. We think that we know a better story to live, and we choose to follow that path rather than God's path. And Jesus summed this up when he said these words. He said, you may well gain the whole world, yet lose yourself in the process. You may gain everything the world has to offer, but you may lose yourself in the process of gaining it. And we see time and time again, don't we, people who seemingly have everything the world has to offer, riches, possessions, fame, fortune, but aren't living happy lives, aren't living contented lives. They haven't found peace in terms of the destination they're heading towards. So Jesus called us to repent, and basically repentance is to come back from our story back into God's story. And he called the gap between these two stories, it's a famous word called sin. And all sin is, it's the difference between 
your story and my story and God's story. It's a gap between those two stories. And I said a couple of weeks ago, sin isn't, again, a churchy word. It's an archery term. It means to miss the bullseye. If you sinned in archery, you missed what you were aiming for. And so to sin is to miss the target of God's best for our lives. It's to move away from the goal of God's story and God's best for our lives. And Jesus said to repent is to consider the gap between God's story and your story. And then he invites you and I back into God's story. So when Jesus said, follow me, he was inviting you and I back into God's story, back into the goal and destination of being reconciled to God, of living in God's love, of living in God's family, and journeying on towards God's goals and God's best. And he said, if we do that, there's a promise. He said, you will have life and you'll have it to the full. You'll have life to the full. Now, the word there in the Greek is a great word. It means superabundance. Isn't that a great word? Superabundant life is what Jesus was talking about when he said, if you follow me and let me put you back into God's story, then you will have a superabundant life. And that basically means better in every way, superior in every way, superior in terms of quality, superior in terms of experience, superior in terms of relationship, superior in every way. Jesus promises us a super abundant life when we choose to follow him back into God's story. So you and I can experience a fullness of life that can't be found just by trying to follow all the world has to offer, trying to accumulate more and more stuff. Fullness of life isn't found in that. It's found in a life in Jesus. And if we believe Jesus really was who he said he was, and he was God's son, and he did speak with the authority of God, then we have to trust that if Jesus said that's what's on offer, then that's what's on offer. If we follow Jesus, we can experience a superabundant fullness of life. And what baptism is, it's just really a demonstration that someone has accepted this invitation. They've accepted this invitation back into God's story, back into God's love. It's just an outward expression that people have chosen God's story over their own alternative story. And it's a chance for you, the wider church family and friends, to affirm that decision and to publicly celebrate that with them as they go into this water today. Nothing magical about the water. It's not blessed. It's not holy. It's good, witchable tap water. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a conversation itself. But it's, um, <laughs> it's just come straight out of the tap. It's been warmed up. And um, that's, it's just water. It's just ordinary, ordinary water. There's nothing magical about the water. It's just purely symbolic water there today. The water doesn't need to be special, doesn't need to be holy, doesn't need to be blessed because Jesus is the one who's done the work. Jesus is the one who's done the transformation on the inside. This is just purely symbolic today. And baptism symbolizes saying goodbye to our old story and saying hello to God's story and journeying back into that story. We get the word baptism from the Greek word baptizo. It means to plunge into something and change it, like you'd t- you plunge maybe an old T-shirt into some dye because you want to re-dye that T-shirt and bring it out a different colour. It's also used when you're making pickles. You plunge a vegetable into vinegar and baptise it, and it, it gets transformed by the act of being plunged into the vinegar. Something permanent happens, and the baptism water is symbolising a permanent change in the life of a person. There's no dye in the water. (laughs) There's no vinegar in the water. It's just the water. But it's symbolising this permanent change and transformation that Jesus brings when we choose to follow him. Let's go back a little bit into, into Mark's gospel. And it talks about this guy called John the Baptist. It says, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins the gap between their story and God's story 
They were baptised by him in the River Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. John sounds like quite a character, doesn't he? Probably the sort of person you'd walk across the other side of the street from if you met him. A wild guy living in a wild place. And he started sharing this wild message saying, you need to come out of your story and you need to come back into God's story. And I'm going to stand in the Jordan and I'm going to push you under it and pull you out of it to symbolise the fact that you've decided to make that change. I'm going to baptise you symbolically for repentance, for the forgiveness of sins. He was saying to people, your lives are so messed up, you need to think about this. You need to reflect on the gap between your story and God's story. You need to come and sort it out and repent, change your mind, change your direction. Start going God's direction rather than your own. The thing about John, there was nothing attractional about his message. He was a crazy wild guy with locust breath and camel clothing living in the wilderness. There was nothing attractional about his message or the place he was in. Yet people went out in their droves to him. It says in Matthew 3, 5. People went out from Jerusalem, Judea and the whole region of the Jordan to go and meet this man and to respond to his message of baptism. Lots and lots of people recognised their story wasn't the best story and God had a better story for them. And so they waded out into the river to be greeted by this hairy guy, unkept, unkept guy, locust breath, I mean, just imagine it. And he took them and he didn't plunge them under some clean, nice water like I got here. He plunged them into the Jordan with the fish and the weed and the dirt and the mess and he pulled them back out again as a symbol of a change of direction. Someone took a photo. There he is. Just kidding. We don't know what John looked like. We've got no idea. But we can imagine the, uh, the encounters these people had with him as they went out to the Jordan. But he said something. He, he spoke about something greater that was coming, greater than the ministry that he carried. He said this. He said, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. John's baptism in the Jordan was a signpost to the ministry of Jesus that was coming. John baptised with water as a symbol of a change of direction, but Jesus was going to come with the power to enable people to live different lives, the power of his spirit being put upon them, put within them. The people who have chosen to follow Jesus today have put their trust in him and they have received the Holy Spirit, the enabler, the one who can come and bring about a change and transformation. We're starting a series next week for eight weeks looking at the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit, who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does and how the Spirit works within our lives. So if you're interested in that, you can come along and hear more about the activity of the Holy Spirit. But in the same way that people get saturated by the water, John said Jesus will saturate people with the Holy Spirit and they will live differently because the Spirit of God will not only be around them but will also be within them. So when you and I choose to follow Jesus, it's sort of we give him the steering wheel of our lives. We say we want you now to be in charge. We want you to be the one that we follow. We want you to be the one who's got the best ideas and the best advice. We no longer want to live our own stories. We want to align ourselves with your story. And when we do that, we get a new identity. We get a new sense of identity and purpose and value and direction that the world simply can't give us. So I want to encourage you today, if you've been baptised, if you're following Jesus, then today is a great time to think about what that means what it means to live your life in God's story a great time to maybe recommit yourself to living in God's story what does it look like for you to continue on following Jesus into that super abundant life that he promises you you may be someone sitting here today who's chosen to follow Jesus but hasn't yet decided to get baptized that could be for a whole number of reasons Can I encourage you, it's never going to be the case that you feel good enough to get baptised. I met so many people who say, well, when I've got my life sorted out, I'll get baptised. But that's not how it works. This is just a symbol 
you are choosing to walk with Jesus. And we all are getting our lives sorted out in one way or another. So if that's stopping you or discouraging you, I encourage you maybe talk to some of the people today who've got baptised to, you know, why did they make the choice? Why did they decide to do it? It is a scary thing in some way to stand up here and see all your lovely smiling faces. Not everybody enjoys that. But I really encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is a key part of your journey, choosing to get baptised. And if you're visiting today as a family member or a friend and you, you know, you're looking on, think it's all a bit strange, a bit odd, I want to encourage you to reflect on that promise of Jesus. I will give you life and I'll give it to the full. There's a promise there for all of us that we're called into a superabundant life when we choose to follow God. Not a perfect life, not necessarily an easy life, but a life that has more fullness in it than we can experience in our own story. So I want to encourage you, if you're thinking about, it's all a bit strange today, who's this Jesus guy, what's it all about? It's as simple as that invitation to you and I. Do you want to turn into God's story and experience the fullness of life that can only be found in God? As we listen to the testimonies today, I want to encourage you to open your heart and maybe God will speak to you uniquely through what a person says in their story. So I'm going to hand back over to Keely. Right, this is always the exciting bit of the baptism service because we get to hear, as Simon said, the stories of why people are choosing to do this. Lots of them are nervous. It's a big thing to stand up here when you're not used to it. So please, lots of smiles for everyone who's coming up here to share. And just to say, when the people have told their stories, all the parents and carers will go and sign their children out of kingfishers and dragonflies and will bring them back in so that they can watch the baptism. So there'll be a little pause while the Baptist people get Baptist people, the candidates, will get ready and Martin and Simon will dress appropriately um, and so there'll be a bit of time there. So the stories first of all, so don't forget lots of big smiles. And the first person who's going to come up and share, give her a huge round of applause, is our very own Tilly. It's My family are all here, and you'd think that would make me a lot less nervous. However, I know everyone else here will tell me I was doing a good job, even if I wasn't. (laughs) However, I know my mum will tell me it's rubbish if it's rubbish. (laughs) So it's actually more scary. (laughs) But um, the first time I came to church was about 20 years ago. We were getting ready in the bathroom, and I was like, Mum, why am I not in the garden running around in my pyjamas and my welly boots? Why are you making me get dressed? It's not fair. And I was like, where are we going? She was like, we're going to church. I was like, ooh, are we? And then little did I know that this unfamiliar setting would soon become a massive part of my childhood and my adult life. As a child, we were so lucky to have such a massive team of adults who put together the best Sunday mornings in crunch. Memories of this will always stay with me, not, from being, not, not being able to cross the rope light and setting off an evil laugh and laughing at ping and pong who used to come and teach us and other characters used to come and teach us Bible stories. As I got older, I moved into Level Up and had a nurture group with Jackie and Kath. I'm not sure how they drew the short straw of having us lot, but at least they can say there was never a dull moment. I'd like to think we've all grown up since then and all argue a lot less. As I moved on to my later school years, I would attend church a lot more sporadically, but knew whenever I wanted to come back, I could. It wasn't until after COVID that I started coming on a more regular basis. This is when I met Stephen and started bringing him to church. I was worried about bringing him as I didn't want him to think I was one of those weird Christian people. However, he came and he wasn't scared away. Stephen and I soon came to church most Sundays together and he would come into the main auditorium on his own when I was doing the kids' work. Fast forward two years later and I'd just pulled up into the car park of my work when Stephen's mum rang me. She said that Stephen's been in an accident but it's not as bad as the, head, as the headline sounds. By the time I turned back around, turned out it was as bad as the headline sound, and Stephen was on his way to King's College Hospital in an air ambulance. It was one of those moments that you see in films where someone is just standing there and everyone else is continuing with their lives around them, and it just felt like everyone was just going at normal speed and I was at half speed trying to figure out what was going on. 
We were in the car driving to London to find out what happens, and everything feels like you're going at a snail's pace. And in that moment, I had no idea what to do. I had no idea how to make it better. It was then I did something I'd never really done before. Asked for help from the church and prayers for Stephen. In that moment, I knew there was no other way I could help Stephen than to ask God to do what he needed to do. Five hours in a waiting room feels a very long time when the only thing you want to see, when the only person you want to see is the person that you have no idea is okay or not. At the end, we, find, we found out Stephen had severely fractured his pelvis in several different places and had perforated his bowel. He would then be staying in induced coma until after his next surgery, which wouldn't be done till the next day. My mum stayed with me in London that night in probably the worst hotel I've ever stayed in. <laughs> As she knew there was no chance we were going home. However, this hotel was close enough for me to run to the hospital if anything happened. The next day we went back to the hospital so I could just wait till Stephen came out of his second surgery. We got there at 9.30 and Stephen didn't go to theatre until three-ish and came out four hours later. This meant I made mum sit in the hospital for till 7.15 all day without letting her leave. <laughs> During this time I just made my mum stay and I refused to leave until he came out. I spent time in the church chapel just praying and pleading that Stephen was going to come out and be okay. At one point, I prayed in the lobby, asking God, please just send me a sign that you're listening. Next thing I know, the next person to walk through the doors was a hospital worker called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I soon learned during this experience not to cast anything off as a coincidence. It's no surprise that my mum made me go home after being able to see Stephen after his surgery. He was still asleep. We were on the train home when I got a call from Stephen's mum telling us that the surgery went really well and went together like a puzzle which is amazing considering the shape Stephen's pelvis was in. When we got off the train, we saw the street passes at Whitstable train station, another way of showing me that God was still following. I would return to hospital the next day because they were hoping to wake Stephen up from his induced coma. This didn't exactly go to plan, and Keely got a phone call from me, bawling my eyes out because I was so scared and just needed some comfort. She prayed with me on the phone, and I returned back to see how Stephen was doing. Unfortunately, it just so happened Stephen didn't want to wake up that day. So I returned home in low spirits. The next day I came to church as I wanted to be around friends and I wanted to worship, and so I was grateful for those who were praying for Stephen. Obviously, I cried a fair bit, but I had my parents and my friends beside me. The church then prayed for Stephen that he would be able to wake up from his coma. Before the end of the talk, Stephen's mum rang me and told me Stephen was awake and even said hello to me on the phone could not explain the overwhelming greatness and relief I had in this moment. The next two weeks would be long, in which consisted of Stephen staying in hospital and having another surgery, which ended up, me at the Franks, and ended up with me at the Franks' house for dinner as I was beside myself yet again. However, Stephen made a recovery from hospital that no one ever expected, and from accident to coming home was little under three weeks. The day he came home, I saw the best rainbow and knew that now I could be content in knowing the worst was over. Stephen had thousands of people praying for him during this experience, and if that isn't a testimony to the power of prayer, then I don't know what else I could say to convince people. This experience has taught me so much, not only about prayers and God's love, but the love of the church and those of faith who didn't even know Stephen. When all this was happening, someone said to me, when bad things happen, we shouldn't be asking God, why me? We should be asking him, why not me? This has stuck with me since, and, come back, and I have come back to it often. We know as Christians that just because we have faith and follow God doesn't mean we won't have our challenges. However, we are so quick to cast aside faith when things are going the wrong way. Hold firm in faith and think, why not me? What is it that God wants you to learn from this? I know this is the worst experience I have ever had in my life to date, but I know that things I've taken away from it has made me stronger in my faith. My life's not perfect, and I think that's what I've waited all these years for before being baptised. Did you read it, Simon? <laughs> a perfect life. But this is never going to happen. Now I know I'm here because I want to show that I'm committed and ready to move on to the next stage of my journey, which I know I can't do without God in the centre. He's the one I turn to when I'm worried and anxious, and without him I'd probably just cry most of the time. <laughs> I'd like to finish with a Bible verse that brought me comfort during this time. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when the times comes. 
Matthew 6, 34. Amazing. Thank you, Tilly. Many of you will remember praying for Stephen and that moment in the church service when we did pray and then Tilly got that call. So that's amazing. It's lovely to have Stephen now as part of our church family. Let's give Lukash a big round of applause. Come on down, Lukash. So good morning. My name is Lukash. I'm Polish. So if any case through my nerves, I'm not going to make much sense or going to put on my strong East European accent and apologize. Uh, I made a decision about getting baptized two weeks ago, and I would never thought of myself as someone who can come in here and stand in the front and talk to people, especially about my spiritual life. So God has weird ways about him and what he makes people do. And yeah, as they say, no pain, no gain. <laughs> so... Starting from the beginning, I was born in a Christian family. I was Christian as a baby in an evangelical church. My Christian life as a child wasn't anything more than attending Sunday services with my family. And even that was always a battle. I was quite an easy child without any rebellious history, although it would seem like we were quite a normal-looking family. Apart from being a Christian on Sunday mornings, there was not much else to it. Things started changing in my early teenager years when we joined a Pentecostal church, which definitely drew me closer to faith. Around the age of 12, I consciously gave my life to Jesus, but again, that didn't change much in my life other than I would call myself a believer. Around the time where most of youth group that I was part in got baptized, I decided I didn't want to just follow someone else's actions as I like to make my own independent decisions. I didn't do it. Sometime later on, my father got baptized, and that even more discouraged me from making the steps, as in my understanding, he should have become a better example within my family and move away from some stuff that I considered wrong. I developed my own ideas and criteria that needed to be met before I got baptized, and I thought only some kind of nudge from the Holy Spirit would make me decide to do that. So with years passing by and having my ups and downs as a follower of Jesus, I got married and had two little children that definitely cemented my faith, but still my relationship with God was conditional and until I had everything in my life sorted and had no failures, I wouldn't 100% commit. I eventually realized that my thinking was wrong and I will never have everything my way. So I made that decision to change the way I go about my Christian life and make this very leap of faith and get baptized without expectation of getting something in return and let God take control of my life. On a few occasions before I decided to come here today and get baptized, I believe God sent a few people to give me a nudge in that direction and it only confirmed that this is the right time. Thanks, Lucas. That's amazing. Um, I'm Gwyneth and I've been coming to church for a few years to, to Riverside and Almost every week I'm asked if I'm new to church. <laughs> but I think that's also because I'm very good at blending in the background and sitting somewhere in the back. Um, and I think that's just me partly staying in my comfort zone. And um, in fact, I almost pulled out of the baptism because of exactly this. I was worried about standing in front of everyone and talking, which... Excuse me. <laughs> um, and I know that's quite surprising considering my job because... I mean, I do this all the time. I'm, well, not all the time, but quite regularly. I'm an osteopath locally, and I, I, I um, lecture students. So, but again, I think that's more in my comfort zone. So if you know, we want to talk about disc prolapses and spinal surgeries and hemorrhages and things like that, then you know, I'm your girl. <laughs> um, so a little bit about my history, um, my background. I was born into a Christian family. I went to church every week. Um, and so I've been attending church right from childhood, but I think like with a lot of the traditional rituals or ceremonies, I didn't necessarily feel that I had an actual personal relationship with God. It was more just going every Sunday, and I didn't even feel that he necessarily knew who I was. Um, and that narrative started to change when I was living in London and I started going to Hillsong Church, um, which is a little bit more Pentecostal, and I think I saw that my relationship with God could become a personal one, um, but coming to Riverside 
church more regularly. It's been the perfect sort of trifecta of relationship, community, and also of personal growth. I often felt that through Simon and Keeley, God was speaking personally to me. Um, for example, when Simon talked about being a Sunday Christian, a little bit like what Lukash was saying, where your life is com- compartmentalized and the teachings that you receive on a Sunday, it doesn't necessarily follow you into your everyday life for the rest of the week. Um, and the rest of the week doesn't always look like what your Sunday life looks like in church. There's so many other examples I felt that were speaking directly to me um, over the years. But it comes down to the same thing, which is really developing a personal relationship with God that actually impacts and informs how you behave or how you react in your everyday life. Um, And I think this was the light bulb moment for me at some point last year. And the spirit started to put it in my heart about a baptism. Because I think it's easier when, well, it was easier maybe for me when I felt like I was in my 20s and fabulous and not really having a care in the world. And it's easy to think that you're indestructible or, you know, you can make decisions for yourself. But when you suddenly find yourself at 41 and married with two kids (laughs) and the daily life or challenges means that sometimes you're not always having the ability to juggle and still treat everyone with kindness or live the life that you feel like you would want to live or show love to those around you. So, as Simon mentioned two weeks ago, I think it put it perfectly for me that it's not necessarily about trying to live Jesus's life, but maybe imagining how Jesus would live my life. So I still want to live my life as I would every day, but maybe just having a more intentional way of doing that. And one of the things he talked about last year was the live from rest app which is something that i now tune into every morning just as a way to i guess start the morning on the right footing rather than starting the morning frantic um especially well some of you have met georgia so you know (laughs) you know what she's like um so as i said to keely i don't particularly have a, a powerful transformational story and i definitely did say to her a few weeks ago i didn't feel like i was good enough to maybe go through with the baptism Um, But it's this baptism, I guess, for me, it's more an acknowledgement of the transformational power of putting God first in my everyday life um, and just allowing him to lead the way in that everyday life and the journey through life, literally just through the everyday. Thanks, Gwyneth. That's amazing. Now let's give a big welcome to our lovely Di. Di's part of our family, but she's also part of our staff team here at Riverside. So this is extra special. I'm going to move to the left for something, a change. Hello. Um, yes, I am Di, but my nickname um, at the cafe is Disaster. Um, I, sorry, but I burnt the chopping board while you're on holiday, Jackie. Um, I'm here with. She's also my... amazing. <laughs> She actually has other nicknames. <laughs> Not into those. No. Um, I'm here with my little fan club, my beautiful Melanie, mum, our mum, a very special friend, Keely, and my wonderful church family. As you can tell from my accent, I'm from an extremely posh part of Kent, which is even posher than Whitstable. It's Chatham. Um, I don't come from a family of faith. Uh, when I did say to my mum that I was going to church, she laughed because she really did think I was joking. But my nan, very special nan, Hilda Lily Mae Moroni, I used to stay with her. Um, we would actually kneel at the side of the bed and pray together and sing hymns. And I did think I was a Christian um, because I believed in God. I loved Sunday school. We had a tin hut in the summer holidays where I would go and play pool um, and all the sort of things you do as a youngster, but it ran a a, uh, Sunday school. A bit of an incentive, if I went 25 times, I would get a Bible, um, but I did make the 25 times. Not sure if I went again after that, but I loved my Bible. Um, About six years ago, I hit rock bottom. Uh, I needed help. Um, I tried everything, nothing was working. I found myself uh, on my own and free every Sunday. So I got my phone out and Googled Lively Church. I was living in Sittingbourne and this church came up and I thought, I can go, I can try that. 
I walked in and felt that the peace that had always been missing in my life, there's something that I've always been longing for, I never could understand what was missing. I walked in those doors and I found that missing peace. I sat in my chair, I wouldn't move. I wouldn't even get up to go to the ladies. I was so nervous. There was people around me, arms in the air, clapping, people talking in tongues, um, turned to speak to someone I didn't know what to say. I was a bag of nerves, and at the end of the service, I would get out there as quick as possible. But I loved the worship. I didn't get what everybody else got, see the joy on their face, um, and I knew that I wasn't quite there, but the worship was amazing, so I continued to go. After about five months, still sat in my chair going nowhere, um, they started to minister at the front of the church. I haven't got a clue what happened. I was out my seat and down at the front of the church, and as they're praying for me, my tears came and they just wouldn't stop. I was never a person that would cry in front of anybody. I really felt that day that that missing piece had fitted in and I got what everybody else got. I didn't find God, God found me. In the same week, I met my beautiful Melanie at the same church and I really believe she's God-given. We thought that they would celebrate us being together. Mel had been at the church for a very long time and it was her family. But no, they wouldn't celebrate us because we were together, we were sinners and we were going to hell. This made my faith stronger, not weaker. But the only sad, place, sad thing was we had nowhere to go to worship. If you can imagine for those people that when you find God, the excitement, how you want to just grow, have a wonderful feeling, but then you're told, well, you can't come and do that here. We then started to realise we can't do that anywhere. And for me, all it was was about loving somebody. We started to worship at home. We said, right, we can still do this. We prayed together with the help of Mum and Mel, because I was a very young Christian, obviously, as you know, not young in years, but young Christian. And um, we did it at home. Our amazing friend Keely started a group, God's Army, in her house. And we used to pray there, worship. We both went online and we finally found a church, a gay church, in South Africa. Obviously, we didn't visit the church, but um, we did the services online and we became really, really special friends with the people, which we still are today, and we still belong to that church. And they helped us. They helped us accept who we were and that it wasn't a sin and we weren't going to hell. We had special friends, Zoe and Mark, that did set up a group as well in Sittingbourne, even though some of the churches in the area were praying against our group because everyone was included. We also met Emma and Abigail there. We were then living in Whitstable. So again, I googled Lively Church. I thought, I can go along. I got to the stage where I really needed to visit church. I thought, I can go along, I can sit at the back, no one will notice me, and then I can just quietly leave. Well, I arrived at this church, lovely lady on the door, the welcome group, said to me, Oh, she obviously knew I was, realised I was new. She sat me with a lady who was going to look after me. Everything went fine. I loved the worship until the time came when you had to turn and speak to the person next to you. Nothing against the lady. She was lovely, but she did ask me a lot of questions. <laughs> and during those questions, it got down to, well, who do you live with? Is it your husband? And I said, no, my friend. I felt God say to me, why have you just said that? Why can you not be yourself and say, Melanie, my partner? I left the church and I thought, I can't go back. How can I go back if I can't truly be myself? It wasn't this lady's fault. It wasn't the church's fault. It was me. So worried about what they would think of me because I loved a woman. That church was Riverside Vineyard and I sat over there and that lovely lady was one of you here today. I never told anyone that. 
So, a couple of years on. If you know Mel, she's on Facebook a little bit. And if you want to know any more about my whole life, then please just <laughs> l- log on to Melanie Naylor. <laughs> so, she was on Facebook and a lady called Anne, she was doing an all for one, all, all one series, all one series. And this lady was talking about a church that was going to become inclusive. When we looked, it was this church, the church that I'd come to a couple of years before. We sat and cried. We got in touch with Anne, we got in touch with Keely, and here we are now. About an hour later, I was on the coffee team. (laughs) Only an hour? Wow. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I joined a lovely life group, and they've even given me a job in the cafe. There's so many people that come through the doors of the cafe and they say, what a wonderful place this is. How amazing it feels, how comfortable they feel. This whole building and everyone in it is so kind, so accepting, and above all, they give love. They've given myself love, they've given Mel love. Cannot thank you enough. It might not seem much to some people, but it absolutely means the world to us. I'm so proud to be part of this church, so proud to be with my Melanie. And as someone said at Pride, and they held a card up at Pride, and we all went to Pride last year, love is a human right. Being baptised is a dream come true. I never thought I'd even have a church to worship in, let alone be baptised. My faith is the centre of my whole life. Um, once, once someone said to me, God is the most important thing in your life, and I thought, no. My family, Mel, that's the most important thing in my life, but now I get it. God is the most important thing in my life. He shows me love, and everything comes around God. It has truly brought me joy being part of this church, having faith, and so blessed that you're actually going to marry us this year. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Guy. And finally, we did have Sue and Pete. Sue, why don't you come up? Pete's not very well, so it's only Sue, but give her a massive round of applause. Hello, everyone. I just want to say I feel so privileged to be here today. This Riverside Church is amazing. Everyone's lovely and friendly and kind. Keely and Simon and all their team, well, they do a great job for everyone. God bless you all. Really do a great job. And I'm really blessed to find a church like this. Most of my life I've gone to churches, but I've never actually found one like this. My story... Thank you. I'll say thank you again. (laughs) My story... Maybe quite simple, really, but I imagine everyone has their own story. Jesus came to me as a very small child. I've always felt his presence, and I've been through some tough times in my life, but Jesus has always carried me through with his love and his strength. I've been truly blessed. No one ever told me about the Lord. He, just, he was just there. I've been through a lot of hard times in my life, you know, breakups, pain, you know, grief, like we all go through. My son, bless him, is in an accident where he was attacked. And I felt Jesus was there then. And he brought him through. He had a head injury. And um, he's just brought me through such a lot. I've been very blessed with three beautiful children, Tana, Tasha and Luke, and four grandchildren, Connor, Josh, Layla, Faith. And since my husband, Pete, came along, I'll tell you more about him in a minute, Two lovely stepchildren, Kieran and Kim, and some little darling granddaughters, Olive and Daisy. Children are so forgiving. We all love children. And I love the saying in the Bible, Luke 18, chapter 16. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. It's one of my favourites. I met my husband, Pete, nine years ago. We had been married five. He was a very hard man to love. He put up a lot of barriers, but I guess he was hurt in the past. A lot of us are. 
Um, but I, I kept hearing this voice in my head from God. Please don't give up on this man. He's very special, and he certainly is special to me. We've had a, quite a tough time, me and Pete. Um, the last three months, he was diagnosed with brain and lung cancer. Um, so it's been quite tough for us. And uh, on New Year's Day, Pete became quite unwell. We nearly lost him that day. By the power of all your lovely prayers here at Riverside, I just want to thank you because I sent an email to Keely and she got it. And everyone else is praying, my children, my friends, everyone was praying for him. He got through and he's come through it. And just recently we went and saw the um, consultant and I just felt Jesus' presence there when I was there because I, I, I got so sick of being at this doctor so many times. And I just felt Jesus was there in the car. He was just sitting there with me. And we got the wonderful news that this lung, because he's got lung and brain. We don't know about the brain yet, but I believe God is working. His lung has shrunk from 6.5 to 2 centimetres. That's by the power of the prayer, the power of the Lord, and the positivity of you all. So I want to thank you all for that. When we nearly lost him, I prayed for just a bit of time. I thought I was going to actually lose him or take him home to actually die. That's what I thought. But the Lord has given me so much more because this has happened. Unfortunately, he's not here today, not because of that, you know, his illness, because he's hurt his leg where he's put his left and it's very bruised, and he couldn't walk, and he's so disappointed. But we're all going to keep praying for him, and he will be here to do his testimony. He's already worked on it, and there'll be another day for Pete. So he'll do the same for all of us. He just hears your prayers. God doesn't care whether you're angry at him, sad, happy. He just loves to hear your voice. We're all his children. We're all his children. My faith is just so strong I love Jesus with all my heart. That's the reason I'm here today, to be baptised in his name. I've always thought about it, but now is my time <laughs> at 63. So God bless you all. Stay strong and trust him in your everlasting love. And thank you to everyone that come. My sister, Luke, Liv, Loy, Heather, and all you wonderful people. God bless you all. Praise be his name. Thank you. So, Tilly, Sean's going to help people in so they don't fall in and baptise themselves. <laughs> oh, you're higher than I thought. If anyone wants to take photos of your friends' families, we are videoing as well. Is it looking good okay, Gavin? Can you see through the camera? That's great. It'll just go out to the world, Tilly, don't worry. Right. All good? So, Tilly, upon your confession of faith in Jesus, we're going to baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Yeah. Woo, amazing! <laughs> so, Lukash... Do you want to kneel? I'm sure you should be kneeling. So you nearly hit Tilly's, Tilly's head on the... Ah, we're going to get him in, don't worry. Same as last words. Lugash, upon your confession of faith, we're going to baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Gwyneth. Come on down, Gwyneth. Mark, are you doing photos? Great. No, no, I find the pocket. No, okay. 
Give us upon your confession of faith in Jesus. We then baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Die. So die upon your confession of faith in Jesus. We now baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lastly, Sue. Scuba, scuba, snorkel, you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Sue, upon your confession of faith in Jesus, we now baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you want to grab your nose? Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing. If we'd like to invite the worship band back up, we're gonna, they're going to go and get changed as quick as they can, and they're going to come back, and then we can gather around and pray for them. But we're going to finish with some worship. So let's really celebrate all of these people's brave and courageous decisions today to be baptised. Let's stand together if you're able. The children can stay in, and we're going to sing and celebrate together. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.